Loretto, after seven years of wellness summits, we are going virtual for the first time. Oh, it's very exciting, MP. For all those wellness couch fans who couldn't get to a summit because of interstate or international travel, now you can join us. No border closures for this one. Join us from the comfort of home on September 11 and 12 for a day and a night of inspiring, uplifting, empowering information, insights, fun, and of course, a bit of frivolity. This is a wellness summit like no other. Imagine cooking dinner live with Joe Whitten from your very own home. Or joining in a group conversation with some of Australia's greatest thought leaders in health and wellness. The theme this year is revolution, and you're invited to join us. Tickets are just 97 bucks. You'll receive lifetime access to the recordings and a stack of bonuses when you register. Proudly brought to you by Positive Mentor. The rundown, the speakers, and all the details are at thewellnesssummit.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Hello, and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast. I'm your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. And today, for you Ninja Warrior fans, I've got someone super special here chatting with us today. It's Dan or Daniel Mason from Ninja, Australian Ninja Warrior. Uh, he's an osteopath as well as an absolute Ninja Warrior legend. Been through all four seasons, I believe, and gone a fair way through each one. I think next year is the big one, I reckon. Um, <laughs> so welcome, Dan. Thanks for coming along and having a chat with us today. Hi, Paul. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad to be a part of it. Mate, you're spreading the message. It's it's awesome. <laughs> four years ago, or was it four years? Yeah, yeah. I remember the night when you kind of came on uh, Ninja Warrior, the amount of messages I was getting. <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I wasn't really, I don't know, Ninja Warrior wasn't on my radar all that much at that point until that night. When my phone was just lighting up, he's in the barefoot ninja, barefoot ninja. <laughs> Obviously, people know what I'm about, and you were out there spruiking the message. That was awesome. So, to begin, can you just give us a bit about your journey, like how, I guess, who you are? Um, I mentioned you're an osteopath, so what an osteopath does, and how you got into becoming interested in being barefoot. Yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, I suppose I'm. I'm uh... 29 years old now and um, so I've been a qualified osteo for seven years now um, and so I suppose as an osteopath we're just a, a manual therapist that um, deals with the whole body and, and mostly it's about trying to trying to get people functioning as well as possible and hopefully that um, correlates to being pain-free and functional. Um, uh, in terms of my like, sporting background I suppose I, I did your classic sports growing up like football and cricket and um, basketball and that sort of thing but then when I was 11 years old I started uh, doing gymnastics after seeing one of my sister's um, displays end of year displays Um, got into that at probably 11 years of age which was a a bit late for a gymnast but um, I basically just did that for fun for about 10 years or so Um, I never really competed at any high level or anything I I just uh, 
I got right into it and particularly probably around 16 years of age started doing it a few more hours a week um, just because I was enjoying it. Um, and so that became a real passion for, for five, five or so years. Um, and then coming out of that, I started rock climbing a bit, again, just for fun um, with my now wife and, and a few friends. And, um, and yeah, so I suppose that was my main sporting background that led to me getting into Ninja Warrior. So, and now I've been doing that for four years and, and that's been really the focus of my athletic life <laughs> now. So, yeah. Well, it's pretty full on. I don't even know how you go from, I mean, I guess gymnast to rock climbing. I guess there is a, a natural progression, but I just see what you guys do and I just, I just, I can't fathom how anyone gets into it. It's just brutal. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's certainly a bit of a, a bit of a uh, odd sport, I suppose. Um, but I always say that I, I was never really suited that well to gymnastics because I wasn't neat enough and I wasn't really suited well to rock climbing because. Uh, again, I probably wasn't technical enough, but um, Ninja Warrior seems to suit my strengths um, mm. that came from both of those sports quite well and I seem to have taken to that nicely at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it was working for you. <laughs> so how did you get into being barefoot or have you always been barefoot? I mean, we weren't born with shoes, I guess. That, <laughs> how did how'd that come about for you? Yeah, I, I didn't really start doing um, much barefoot until I was around 18 or 19 years of age. Um, Obviously, gymnastics is a barefoot sport, um, so I'd done a lot of, of that through throughout my, um, well, from 11 years on. Um, but, yeah, it was around 18 or 19 years old. I started doing my osteopathy course at uni. Uh, there were a couple of other guys in the course that sort of enjoyed going barefoot as well, and, and we sort of started doing it together. I, I did a little bit as a bit of a way of – I kept getting recurring ankle injuries. Um, and so it sort of started out I'd, I'd seen um, a couple of articles about the benefits of going barefoot and it, and it started to make sense with, I suppose, my developing <laughs> philosophy on um, on the body. Um, and, and, yeah, so it just sort of grew from there. Um, once my ankle had rehabbed from one of the big injuries, I just sort of kept doing it and then it just became more I enjoyed it. Um, and as I said, a bit more into the philosophy of using every part of my body and every muscle and joint as much as I can. And, um, so from there, it's just become what I do. <laughs> yeah. So with like you rehabbing that ankle, for instance, what do you think, like, let's just chat more about that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great having a professional here with me, like yourself, like having that osteopathy background, like, can you just delve a bit deeper into some of the benefits that you found and you still believe, um, you know, to be true around like rehabbing things in a barefoot state? Like how do you think it helped your recovery in your rehab? Um, yeah, I suppose due to the sort of uh, number of ankle injuries I'd had over the years, I, I'd lost a bit of mobility through my uh, through my ankle and feet. Um, and, and I suppose uh, wearing shoes never really allowed me to – well, I, I suppose I didn't really – um, test the limits of my mobility with my ankles and feet because I constantly had shoes on, so they weren't moving a whole lot um, unless I was specifically doing exercises for it. Um, and one thing I suppose I even do with my patients now is I, I say to them, it's more more about a change. Whenever you're rehabbing anything or, or particularly if it's an area that's been bad for a long time, most of what I want my patients to do is um, – is try and make it a bit of a habit to, to do those movements rather than if I set them 
a couple of exercises to do once a day for 10 minutes, you're not going to get as much benefit out of sort of living that way. So for me, rather than doing 10 minutes of exercises for my feet each day, I was doing 16 hours of it. Um, So it's kind of like dieting for 10 minutes a day and wondering why you're not losing weight. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good, really good analogy. Um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, for me, it was yeah, change the lifestyle, and and, and I, I found that I felt like my feet were moving a lot more. I felt a lot more stable, and basically, since I've done it, I haven't really rolled my ankle badly again. Um, hmm. Since 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 then, really, um, I, I've I've had a few where I've gone over on it a little bit, but I haven't really done much damage to it. Yeah, um, do you think your whole body is? Like improve like through being barefoot for so long. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I think it makes a big difference to sort of even yeah knee, lower back, hip health. Um, I used to get some lower back pain. Admittedly, I do other stuff, uh, other mobility um, work for the lower back as well. But I think a big part of it is how well my ankles and feet move. Um, I used to not have much much dorsiflexion, so knees over toes. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a big thing that I, I I did do specific exercises for that. But I also think just being barefoot a lot more helped uh, me improve in that range because that was something that I really lost um, due to all the injuries that I'd had. And it took a long time to get better, but I think the persistence of, of going bare feet all the time has really helped that improve. I think that means whenever I'm squatting or lunging or um, even, even like I hike quite a bit and when I'm hiking going up hills, um, it's because my ankles are able to move a little bit better and a bit stronger means I'm not putting as much pressure through the rest of my body. So um, I think it's a really important area to have functioning well. Um, And I think, yeah, going barefoot means that I'm training that all the time. Yeah, I think one of the keys you mentioned just then was, and you kind of brushed over it a little bit, but, you know, when you were saying you didn't have much um, dorsiflexion but you did extra work on that, Um, you said a couple of little things, but you did extra work to help you know, admittedly, you're helping your back, and and that's something I try yeah. and get across to um, like my clients and hopefully the general public. Like barefoot is important in my eyes, and but there's a journey to getting there, and being barefoot just helps assist you in keeping your body in a natural state and keeping those you know new areas that you've improved, keeping them stronger or more flexible. But, you know, like you said, you have done work along the way to help get there. It's not just a matter of kicking off the shoes and all of a sudden you're a ninja warrior. (laughs) So so for those of you who want (laughs) to think you're a ninja warrior next year because you ditched your shoes, unfortunately, (laughs) you may need to do some extra work. But, yeah, big one there is you need to also work on, you know, Mm. any restrictions or dysfunctions that you may have and then being barefoot, um, yeah, should help keep you on you know, on that path or in, in, increase those new ranges you've got or, or whatever it is for you. Yeah. Now, on that, yeah, did you do any, um, like as you were, you know, doing your ankle stuff and even just on your journey, have you done any specific like foot strengthening drills or, you know, different drills to help with your biomechanics or is it all sort of just kind of flown, I don't know, um, has it been sort of quite specific in how you've approached it or not? Particularly in the first, say, six months to a year um, was probably when I did put the most effort into, um, I suppose, almost preparing myself to 
exercise barefoot. Like for me, if I go out for a 2K run now, I'll do that barefoot, no worries. But if I was to do that in those first six months, there's absolutely no way that would have happened um, that took the time to condition my own body to it, uh, to, yeah, work through restrictions that um, that were there to enable me to do that sort of thing. So for me, yeah, like I mentioned, a lot of dorsiflexion exercises, um, a lot of toe mobility, in particular big toe mobility. Uh, I found that I didn't have much um, extension through my big toe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one thing I use is even like sitting postures. So I'll sit on my knees. In fact, I'm doing it at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah. Sit on my knees on, on my knees and toes. So my butt butt on my heels, knees on the ground. Um, really and then open yeah, up to, those ankles. Yeah, yeah. So that's just trying to get a bit more dorsiflexion, but at the same time getting that toe extension. I find that really sort of opens up my plantar fascia um, as well, or while stretches it out a little bit, and those tendons running underneath the foot. Yeah. Um, yeah, gets me a bit more dorsiflexion through through the ankle. Um, so that was something that I did quite a lot of. I, I used to find that spending about ten seconds there was agony. But now I'm sitting there through this whole interview in this position, in that position. So it's funny um, how your body adjusts. Hey? Yeah, yeah. And it took a long time. It wasn't it wasn't a quick process. I was pretty uncomfortable in that position for probably that six months to twelve months. Um, but gradually worked on sitting there longer and longer. Um, what else did I do? I did I did eccentric type stuff um, initially. So off down off a step, trying to take the weight, lower my heel down. Um, so underrated, again, isn't it? Pardon? So underrated. Yeah, yeah. Eccentric exercises. Yeah, I think they're really – whenever I'm doing uh, – working on something mobility-wise, eccentrics are a big part of what I do now. Mm. Um, well, that would be huge yeah. for Ninja Warrior too, wouldn't it? Like with what you do in your sport, eccentrically trying to, to control, yeah. you know, everything you do, eccentrics yeah. would be a huge part of that. Definitely. I think one thing that everyone underrates with uh, Ninja Warrior is um, sort of it's not necessarily how you get from one obstacle to the next, but it's how you sort of cap how, the position you catch in because then that sets you up to be able to move efficiently to the next one. So eccentrics are a big part of that. If you're swinging from one bar to another and catching it, if you've got the eccentric control, you can set yourself up for a big swing on the next one straight away and mm-hmm. just means you're spending less time on the obstacles. So. I just see that, like watching it, watching you guys do what you do, and obviously I'm a bit of a movement geek, more lower yep. limb, but I kind of look at it even when you guys like a foot, right? Like that when you are swinging, jumping, doing all this stuff, the guys that you see that have more control in landing and they're actually controlling and um, the movement, the catch, whatever, and then can you yeah, rebound um, that energy and force into the next swing or it looks more efficient, they get less tired. And yeah. similar to a foot, I find that the more eccentric control you have over a foot, you're doing the same thing. You're absorbing all that shock and you're using that energy into the next step. Um, I think eccentrics are a, a, a huge one for everyone. Everyone should be doing eccentrics Definitely. for whatever they're doing, whether it's walking or you know, Ninja Warrior. I think it's yeah. something that, that's overlooked way too often. And I find, if anything, they're probably the ones that get me the biggest change the quickest. Um, like I, I find that they, yeah, the eccentrics are probably my go-to for any injury. Um, once I start doing them, I find I get a big big improvement pretty quickly. So hmm. um, it can take a while to sort of work through your, <laughs> some of the joint restrictions. But, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, the, the eccentric work for the muscles works really well, I find. Do you get many injuries with what you do? Um, admittedly, I've, I've been pretty good. Um, through Ninja, I've, I've had one bad landing on my head <laughs> um, <laughs> where, where I had a bit of a neck pain for a few weeks, but that was that, that cleared up pretty well. Um, but after, other than that, I haven't really hurt myself at Ninja. Um, I was playing a little bit of footy in the first few years I was doing Ninja and I had a few injuries from that, but they were just contact injuries. Yeah. Um, I suppose a big one a lot of the Ninja the people training for it get is um, like your um, medial epicondylitis or golfer's elbow. Um, but I suppose through my training as an osteopath and then also rock climbing and gymnastics, I'd sort of learned how to condition my body and, and not go too hard too quickly, um, yeah. which I think is a good thing to take into going barefoot for anyone looking to start it up is if you, yeah, as you mentioned before, if you just go sort of straight into the barefoot lifestyle, it's not necessarily going to fix everything. There are certain preparations that need to be done um, mm. because your body's not conditioned to it. It's, it's sort of almost like if you say to anybody um, who hasn't done push-ups for, for two years Go and do, <laughs> go and do two hundred push-ups. They're going to be sore. Yeah. It's the same if your feet really haven't been doing much for well for however old you are. Um, then going out and all of a sudden using them all the time is potentially going to start causing some injuries. So it's like any uh, skill, hey, because like using your feet is a skill, and it's a skill that you know you watch a child develop and grow, and they go through a set sort of pathway to learn to use their feet, learn to walk, and it's a skill. It's a skill that most of us are blessed enough to be able to do and use. But then we start using things like shoes or just sitting too much or whatever it is that takes you away from that skill. When you start trying to go back to it, if you don't train and learn to use that skill properly again, you're going to get hurt or fatigued or stuff's going to crop up that's going to you know, try and stop you yeah. doing that. And that's yeah, any, anything, right? That's like, like you said, push-ups. They've been done push-ups for however long. It's a skill. You gotta, yeah. It's a really yeah. important one. And a lot of people just seem to... One of the biggest mess, the most messages I get sort of online um, are around that. Like you know, the people have jumped in and and trying to fix pains now because they're yeah they've just jumped into it, thinking it's yeah. you know a great idea, and it is. But it's yeah, there's definitely a a way to go about it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's a it's a hard part. I know when um, they first started bringing in barefoot shoes, uh, they got a bit of a bad rap because all of a sudden people were getting injuries and stuff that uh, they that they weren't getting with their normal shoes. Mm. Remember Vibram got sued, the five-finger yeah, ones? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. And part of that was poor marketing on their part. They left themselves open, but that was people that were running marathons and doing their whatever, 10, 15K runs every day in a normal jogger. And then all of a sudden. Jumped into this Vibram going, oh, that sounds good, doing the exact same thing the very next day in a brand-new pair of shoes with no support. Wondering yeah. why their Achilles were blowing up, their knees were exploding, and all of a sudden it was Vibram's fault. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, hang on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I remember when all that was happening because there was a lot of brands, like even Nike had bought out quite a good, reasonably good barefoot shoe at the time, and, and they sort of backed away from that a little bit because. Mm. Yeah, they went really kind of uh, middle ground, didn't they? They, yeah. they, they had that Nike free, Nike free. one point. Yeah. 1-0 or something. It was like yeah. almost barefoot. It was a great shoe and yeah. it lasted maybe one season. Yeah. yeah. Then they went back to the 
six, eight mil drop, whatever they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was shattered when that happened because all of a sudden there was all these barefoot shoes on the market. But then, yeah, um, I think, yeah, like you said, it was people jumping into it too quickly and blaming the shoes themselves as opposed to the lack of preparation they did for it. But um, So that's something I always tell my patients if I'm getting them to go into barefoot is, uh, yeah, you need to condition your body for it. It's using a body part and muscles that you haven't really been using because you've been protecting them with, with the padding and support of the shoes you've been wearing. And um, But, yeah, I think that's a really important message whenever starting to go barefoot. Mm. So do you get many clients into that barefoot life as a part of treatment? Um, yeah, I, I don't get heaps of patients that, that we sort of, that I move into that, um, realm. I, I think I, uh, broach the subject a little bit with, with quite a few of my patients and those that seem keen, I try and definitely follow that path. Um, yeah. I'd probably like to do it a bit more. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose I, I, I gauge the patient's uh, likelihood to um, to to do the work that's necessary, I suppose. Yeah, you got to commit to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I suppose it would probably be easier in a setting um, where, uh, as you set yourself up, the barefoot podiatrist, where obviously people are coming in for that, looking for that sort of uh, advice. Um, it's yeah, it's it's really uh, like, like that. That's um, I, I suppose because people aren't coming into me looking for that sort of fix for their feet. Sometimes it can be a bit difficult to change their uh, their focus from, say, their lower back pain that's happening down to, okay, I need to do all this work on my feet to help with, with the lower back. But it's maybe, we well. to, maybe we need to collaborate because I get the same thing, right, where I, people will come in for foot pain, but I assess the whole body and the you yeah. know, functional movement. And sometimes it's not the foot. I mean, the foot might be weak, but I'll find it's the hip or core yeah. that's the issue. And I've got the same problem. I'm there trying to say, well, the breathing patterns are off. There's hip stuff. Let's, we need to start up there. We'll, we'll work on your feet, but down the track, and they're just like, but I'm here for my feet. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like we need to cross-reference. And, yeah, definitely. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, I actually had, it was funny, uh, it was during all this lockdown stuff, so it was maybe like a couple of months ago, I had a lady, I do a lot of Skype consults and things, um, I had a lady... You know, we got through the whole console and it was all good. You know, gave her exercises to do. And she's like, oh, before I go, you know, I've got to ask. And she started asking about Ninja Warrior. And I'm like, nah, wrong guy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I can uh, put you in touch, but it's not me. Longer <laughs> hair. That's right. So maybe uh, maybe you need to push that, that sort of treatment more because <laughs> – yeah, yeah, I'm picking up all your clients. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm you. <laughs> That's why it's working so well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad to have helped. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so, are you barefoot most of the time? Like completely yeah. barefoot, or what was that? Sorry. Or do you go completely barefoot most of the time, or yeah, you wear barefoot shoes? Like, what's? Um, no, the majority of the time I'm barefoot. Basically, I, I do wear shoe barefoot shoes to work. Uh, so I wear Vivo barefoots. Um, they're more, I suppose, um, dressy shoe. <laughs> yeah. Um, to work. Uh, but outside of that, like if I go for a walk with my with my family or anything down the street, I'll I'll go barefoot. Um, most of the times, if I'm going to the shops or anything like that. I'll be barefoot unless it's on the way home from work or something. Yeah, same. So, so yeah. I'll, I'll uh, 
I'll wear shoes if I'm going out to a restaurant or something like that. I, I'm not stubborn about it. <laughs> yeah. But um, if I'm just doing day-to-day stuff where I don't really need to wear shoes to fit in socially, <laughs> um, I'll, um, I'll, I'll go barefoot just about everywhere. It's um, funny, the social side of it, isn't it? Yeah. There's I certain, find there's something you have to make. <laughs> yeah, but even like at the shops, it's getting yeah. better now. Yeah. But I've got two young boys. Yeah, and especially when, my first, when I just had the like, the one son, um, there was a few times at the shops where random people would like come up and question not so much me but him as to yeah. where were his shoes and yeah. give him quite a hard time. It was quite strange yeah. that people, yeah, really sort of showed me the conditioning we have around shoes and 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 some people just really struggle with seeing people without shoes on it's, it's funny yeah I, I live in a quite a cold part of uh, victoria yeah and so we we often get through winter me and my son get, both go barefoot down to the park and stand in the river and throw rocks and that sort of thing and so it's quite cold and he actually copes with it better than i do um but while we're walking down the street I'll, I'll quite often particularly in winter get people going oh aren't his feet too cold shouldn't he have shoes on and i'm like well I'm standing here barefoot. He's barefoot. I think we probably have a better judge of whether it's too cold for us, That's right. <laughs> yeah. um, as opposed to you who has thick socks and shoes on. But <laughs> That's right. yeah, if people seem to feel more comfortable questioning your choice of footwear or, um, than uh, other clothes. When you're doing something different, hey, it's when you <laughs> when you're not sort of fitting in with the norm. Yeah, yeah. People definitely. question it. It's funny. So with the shoes, yep. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned you wear mainly, like, Vivos. I've noticed yeah. on, like, Ninja Warrior, there seems to be a lot more people wearing, um, like, Vivos, even the Merrill, seen a few of the Merrill, yeah. kind of barefoot shoes. Is that something that, like, is, is that, a, like, a discussion you kind of, not you personally, but that competitors have between themselves around shoes? Um, is that something that just naturally people in that sort of sport drawn towards um what's i've just noticed a lot of people in the show tend to have barefoot shoes yeah um i I think it tends to be just more a bit of a natural the people who are drawn to the sport are sort of maybe people who are quite interested in in i suppose how the body functions and its abilities and so naturally sort of using your feet becomes part of well i suppose a natural interest as well um i know where i train the compound in in victoria um nearly everyone or well maybe not nearly everyone but there'd probably be nearly half the people there trained barefoot and and on the the show yeah to some of the you know footage of you guys at the compound yeah um a lot of yeah i just noticed a lot of people were barefoot yeah those clips anyway yeah Ashlyn Herbert, he um, yeah, biggest name in Ninja. He's uh, he trains barefoot as much as I do. I, he's never in shoes. Um, and yeah, on the show this year, he wore the he wore the uh, Vibram Five Fingers as, as same as I did. Um, so yeah, I think that was a good uh, good little ad- advertisement for bit, the barefoot movement. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, he yeah. So he he's he's barefoot as often as I am. Just somehow I got the nickname. So. <laughs> You claimed it first. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But, uh, yeah, there's tons of other people at the compound that train barefoot. Um, it's funny, hey, like, I was saying to my wife, actually, like, it's funny how, you know, a lot of the, well, yeah, the well-known ninjas, um, uh, 
seem to be like more barefoot inclined yeah. and also have long hair. So I think yeah. um, I think I've got a chance. <laughs> yeah, <that's it>. yeah. <laughs> minus the we, fitness and the ability to, um, you know, swing and jump and do all those things. But yeah. I'm halfway I, there. <laughs> I did an interview recently where it was me, Ashlyn, and uh, Zach uh, and, and uh, Troy, um, Dirt Ninja, who before he got it shaved off oh, on yeah. the show had long hair as well. So the the four of us all all had long hair and uh, and yeah, so. Um, Someone was asking whether it, you have to grow long hair to be good at ninja, but I don't think it's a prerequisite, but it seems to help. <laughs> it's definitely a thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny that um, yeah, Ashlyn's barefoot as much as you. Yeah. But it yeah, makes definitely. sense, right, because the amount of feedback you'd be getting like through each obstacle, yeah. having no shoe, because like, I find, I don't know about yourself, but if I go for a walk barefoot versus in a barefoot shoe, it's still yep. a very different experience. Yeah, I agree, yeah. But the feedback you get when you're barefoot and the muscle activation, just the timing, everything everything is is that much more efficient. Yeah. Um, do you find that with training? Yeah, yeah. I, I find at training, um, I suppose in Ninja a lot of the time, half the time obstacles are giving way under your feet or they're turning or they're twisting or something along those lines and, um, so I find, yeah, being barefoot, it actually gives you that little bit of awareness. If you know that you have to take that weight off the foot a split second earlier. Mm. Um, That's make or break, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on something like um, the rolling log, if you step on it and feel that it's spinning half a second earlier than than another competitor, it may just be enough to save you. Like you, you fall, you, you sort of take your weight off it a little bit and, and uh, regain your balance a little quicker. I find things like... Um, any upright poles that I'm climbing or, or traversing across, I just find I have heaps of con- – like I don't have to watch where I'm placing my feet. I can just put it on there and feel it out um, so I can keep concentrating on what's coming next as opposed to having to really figure out where I am. So I, I find stuff like that helps a lot. Um, obviously, we don't have the same <clears throat> opportunity on the show, um, but I, I find that Vibrams work reasonably – like work pretty well. I don't notice it too much. Uh, that I have a disadvantage or anything like that, but I still but it feel would still that, be like wearing a maybe more like a, a latex glove versus a snow glove, you know? Like it's still something a bit more <laughs> on your hands that you still I don't know. It takes that extra split second, like you said, to yeah. to feel it. And you have to have that little bit more awareness, conscious awareness of what your foot's doing, yeah. versus being able to fully trust it. Why yeah. won't will they not let you go barefoot on the show? Yeah, no, they they set uh, OH and S issues. Um, really, just send them all the research and articles around the dangers yeah. of footwear. <laughs> just, yeah, that's it. I think it's more dangerous than I've been sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think initially it was an OH and S thing, and then there was one season where they said they might be able to get me on barefoot, but then they um they ended up sort of backing away from trying to get it all done just in case, uh, just because. Uh, they weren't sure whether they wanted everybody being allowed to go barefoot. <laughs> well, that's it, eh? Once they opened that, that yeah, gate. If I, if I was allowed to go barefoot, I'm sure Ashland would follow me. Um, There's probably a few people that would definitely yeah, want to follow through, so, eh? Yeah, so I, I, I'm sure there'd be a few. Um, funnily enough, probably the most popular shoes with Ninja, well, the most the uh, most important thing with shoes for Ninja that most people look at is more the grip. Uh that's given um so for things like the spider walls or the even the walked wall so a lot of people 
go for shoes that have a bit more grip. And so that's not always necessarily the um, the barefoot shoes, unfortunately. So, but, Do you um, find the Vibrams, I'm not trying to plug shoes here, but just out of interest, the Vibrams yep. versus the Vivo, were they, did you go for that because of grip or just because you had a pair sitting there and you wanted to wear them? Like, Yeah, I've... Um, I sort of mucked around with a few different pairs. So I've actually worn two different pairs of Vibrams and a pair of Merrells on the course. Um, I actually haven't I've only, the only Vivos I've got are the more dress shoes, so I haven't really tried them much. But I, I'd sort of had reports from others that maybe they weren't the grippiest on the course. Um, yeah. I really like my Vivos, <laughs> but yeah. yeah, maybe not the grippiest for the ninja stuff. Um, and yeah, I tried the. Uh, I tried Vibrams with a bit of a thicker tread and didn't really really like that. Um, so I tried that. I think that I, did, I used that in my heat last year, and then didn't really like them. So switched to the KS Evos, which are a bit uh, again slimmer. Like I suppose less less tread. Yeah, um, still grippy, but still yeah, still quite grippy. And I found them actually better. And they I wore them again this year. Okay. Um, I really the merrells, like, the merrells are a bit tighter in the toe box, aren't they? Uh, they're not too bad. I've got the Trail Glove twos, maybe. So yeah. um, they're quite old. They're maybe like six years old now, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I found them quite good, but I think the pair I had just had started to wear out, um, and so the grip wasn't great on them uh, last year. And when I took them to training, so I, I, I was looking for other options and thought I'd try the uh, Vibrams. Yeah. And that's what I found I liked I liked them better. Um, and yeah, just didn't. Yeah, rather than getting the next set of Merrells, I just decided I'd try the Vibrams and ended up liking them. So I stuck with them. But I, I did like the the Merrells uh, at the time, and I was wearing the Trail gloves for them. Um, but yeah, I felt they had quite a bit of room in the toe box, not as much as uh, the Vivos. Um, they they have a really wide toe box, and then obviously the Vibrams don't really have a toe box. So <laughs> no, they're perfect. Hey? <laughs> um, but. Yeah, so I, I like those three brands. I, I've, I've used them probably the most. Um, so the Vibram, the Merrill, and the, oh, the Vivo. The Vivos, but yeah, the Vivos for work. for work than for training. So Yeah. Um, yeah. So is that the main brands most of you guys wear and girls? Um, yeah, I think Ashlam was wearing Body Glove. Uh, Body Glove brought out a, um, a like a toad shoe for um, – for like surfing or, or bodyboarding or something like that. Okay. And he was wearing them for a little bit, but found he wore through them pretty quickly. So there, he's onto the he's onto the Vibrams. Yeah. Um, but he's similar to me. Like we train all year barefoot and then just put those shoes on for the show. <laughs> for our H and S. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like we use them all year round either. Um, but yeah, I, I see I see a lot of people in the gym with uh, Vivos, Merrells, um, and not uh, and a few with the Vibrams. We we actually did. Uh, I competed over in Perth at our NCL championships, so that I guess somewhat the national championships. And they um, there was a lot of the guys over from Asia competing, and all of them had the Vibram KS Evos on. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, nearly every single uh, competitor from Asia that came over had them on, so they obviously liked them as well. Okay. Yeah, it's funny, eh? Hey? Yeah. Need to. Um... Mm, interesting to like get some stats on some of the barefoot stuff with um, with what you guys do. 
Yeah, yeah. There's so many, yeah. There's so many people are doing it. There's obviously a a reason. It's just a shame we can't kind of quantify it and yeah, kind of give people, you know, give the haters a bit more to to hate. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, how hard's the course? Is that hard? Like sitting at home, you know, <laughs> and people fall off at the start. You're like, ah, oh, come on. But like, yeah. Is it is it hard? I think definitely the hardest part about it is that it's your first time on the obstacle. Um, so oh, you don't get that, to use it beforehand? No, you don't get to use it at all. You don't get to practice um, on them. We get, we get shown the course in a demonstration a couple of hours before the first person runs. Um, but other than that, yeah, we don't get to touch it. We don't get even up that close. Like we're still probably 10 metres away when we – 10, 15 metres away when we see it. Yeah. Um, so I, I suppose where a lot of people fall off is it's mostly just – a misjudgment of what the obstacle is going to behave like. Um, so there's there's people that fall off on that first obstacle, and it looks like, oh, I can't believe they did that. But I bet you, you give them a second shot on it, and they'd fly through it. It's just that that first touch, they'd sort of misjudged how it um, how it was going to behave, and or what, how fixed the bar was, was, or something simple. Hey, yeah. So I think that's the hardest thing. I think individually, none of the obstacles are beyond quite a lot of us. Um, but, yeah, like you said, putting them all together makes a bit of a difference uh, and then the fact that it's your first time on them, again, makes a bit of a difference. And, um, and yeah, there's obviously some obstacles where there's very little room for error. Um, so even though you could do it 99 times out of 100, it just takes that one time where you've done it slightly wrong. Me this year. I, oh, I no, done, right. <laughs> went off the trampoline into a spider ball. What and, happened? And, Literally two nights earlier, because we sort of know that that obstacle is likely to come up in the semis, so yeah. we're practicing it a lot at the compound. And literally two nights earlier, I reckon I did 100 jumps into the spider wall and didn't fall off a single one. And then it's just, for me, the thing that threw me off a little bit was the run-up. Uh, I had to go, had to step down off a mat and only had really one step before I was in on the trampoline. And I was concentrating too much on that and not where I was hitting the trampoline and so it's just little things like that. Like I said, you can practice as many times as you want, but then something slightly different when you actually go to run the course and uh, it, it can be enough to throw you off. So, yeah, I think individually a lot of the obstacles That was devastating. <laughs> be good, but... Uh, <laughs> That's what I was That must have been devastating, hey? Yeah. Like, like you said, you've done it a thousand times before. Yeah, season's gone by, other heats. Like, yep. you've done that. We've seen you do that. And then to just come on stuff, just... That <laughs> sucks. Yeah. No second yeah, chance. Devastating this year. I, I think um, before last year, I hadn't really considered myself someone that could possibly go all the way. I'd sort of hoped that I'd make the grand final and then see where I could go from there. Um, but then I suppose after coming second last year, it sort of really, I suppose, lit a fire where I was like, oh, there's a potential that I could win this. And so I trained really hard last year for it. And then uh, was feeling really good in the heat, felt really good in the semis up until that point. And then, yeah, uh, yeah it was pretty devastating to come up where I did. Uh, would have liked to have seen how far I could have got, but it's the same for everyone. There's Ashland came off before yeah, I. before like, you, yeah. Like on a few obstacles before, and, and he's someone that flies through those sort of obstacles without trying. <laughs> Does the pressure get to you? Like when with the crowd there, like can you hear the commentators? I'm, I'm, I bet some of the stuff they're saying is pretty annoying. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the truth. I reckon I heard them a little bit more in like the first season. Um, I think now I just sort of zone it all out. I don't get too phased by sort of the crowd and the. I'm not that much more nervous 
on the show than I am in our local competition sort of thing. Um, So I suppose any pressure that's there is just from myself. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, yeah, you can't, you can't, you definitely can't hear Ben and Beck. Um, You can sometimes hear Shane or Freddie on the sidelines, but like I said, I sort of tune everything out. Yeah. My wife always says to me, oh, did you hear me saying this? And I'm like, oh, no. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I did. And that's what made me fall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I just get in I always get in the zone and, and go. I'm, I'm, I'm concentrating on each obstacle and sort of, yeah, how I'm going to go on each one. So not, not sort of putting trust in the practice and not sort of trying to let too much outside uh, interfere. But, yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess it's like any sort of sport, isn't it? Any sort of athlete, you kind of end up, yeah. once you're in your zone, you're, yeah. you're a professional, you do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and I suppose over the years I've started going a bit quicker, so there's less, times in between obstacle, less time in between obstacles to uh, listen to what's going on. In the first season, I took a bit of time to rest, so you sort of soak it in a bit more. But I know the times you guys do are nuts. <laughs> it's all, uh, I reckon, I, I always say it's Ashland's fault because, um in training with him, you just have to go quick because otherwise you just look like you're, <laughs> you're not doing any good. So like me, Ashlyn, uh, Zach, Charlie, uh, Troy, quite a few of the other guys that go quick, they're, they're all um, – we're all sort of forced to go fast because otherwise Ashlyn just finishes everything about a minute ahead of us all. So, um, yeah, it's it's been, it's been good for me because I, I actually went out due to being too slow in the first season, um, got knocked out on time. So – after that, it hasn't really been an issue because I've been training with those guys a bit more, and they're all super quick. Like uh, you saw last night's episode where Zach and um, Charlie and Ashlyn ran the course and did it in nine obstacles in about a minute twenty or something like that. <laughs> it's insane. Pretty crazy, yeah. Well, it'll take me half a day to get through one of those obstacles, I reckon. <laughs> you guys are knocking it over in yeah a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's uh yeah always always you always got to one up everybody at training. So if someone does it in. 20 seconds, you got to come in and do it in 18, and then they'll come in and do it in 16. And <laughs> It looks like a good group, though. Like the group yeah. of guys and girls, it seems like a pretty cool kind of community going on there, and everyone seems to be behind each other. It's kind of like watching, you know, as a, you know, from home. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like a really cool group that everyone's, yeah, got a good, yeah. good vibe about it. Yeah, definitely. It's quite a small group in terms of like most of the people you see on the show sort of compete at a lot of the local comps as well. Um, and so we, we tend to know most of the people on the show. There's a few here and there that have got in from other avenues, but, um, so yeah, most people that go on the show, we, we've sort of met at a local comp or, or I travel around Australia a bit for a few comps and sort of met them there. So, um, yeah, it's a really good community. And so you have to qualify, do you qualify to get in the show? Uh, it's not a, it's not a. There's an application process, but it's not necessarily like a qualification. Um, it's more you go through like a video application and then a strength test and then an interview. Uh, and so it depends on what criteria they're looking for. It may be a bit of a mix of physical ability and story or just yeah. all physical ability. Or um, So, yeah, sort of depends what they're looking for. But I think most people nowadays that are getting on the show, um, even the newer people, most of them have sort of done some training for it before because there's enough facilities out there now that once they find out they're on the show they go and uh, <laughs> do right. some training yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so what advice would you give like a young aspiring barefoot ninja uh i think to tell you the truth the best thing to do for for kids is it, um i suppose go to the playground and, and try and 
climb across it, get across it any way you can. So quite often part of my training is I take my son to the playground and I I try and climb around on the playground and find new ways to climb it and <laughs> swing across it and that sort of thing. So I sort of with Vinji, you never know what the obstacles are going to be. So training yourself to move in as many different ways as possible is, is going to be the biggest benefit. So yeah. getting out there and just making stuff up is, is probably the best way to train for Ninja. <laughs> and for the parents out there of those kids, yeah. <laughs> do you, so your kids, well, the eldest one, the little one's probably a little bit young, but yeah. when they're at the park training, playing, <laughs> yeah. training, yeah, um, training. <laughs> barefoot, Yep, he's barefoot all the time. And as a uh, health professional, you're okay with him playing at the park or training at the park in a barefoot state? Yep, I am, <laughs> completely. So for those parents out there <laughs> yep. that question being allowed to be at a park barefoot, yep. do you think it's important to their health and development? I do, yeah. Um, Fletcher, and, Fletcher. And I do agree, by the way, I'm just trying to get some backup here because I say this stuff all the time and yeah. always got flat for it. So I want someone else with a health background to, <laughs> to back yeah, yeah. me. But yeah, go. Uh, I think it's uh, I think it's really important. I think um, it sort of helps them. Like Fletcher, we had him climbing ladders and, and he's got a rock climbing wall in his room that he's had since he was 10 months old. Um, but I suppose he, he picked that stuff up really quickly because he'd sort of feel his way through things with his feet and um, it, it was actually quite funny the first few times we put shoes on him and even now he actually looks uncoordinated with shoes on him just about because he he's so used to having that feedback from from his feet that he uh, he finds it quite odd when, when he has them on. Um, and, and, yeah, I think uh, obviously he's only three so I haven't seen him fully develop yet but I, I think the benefits it's going to have for him um, – yeah, with his movement through his knees, his back, his hips is is hopefully going to be really um really beneficial for him um and really showing how he moves um but yeah he he doesn't have any problems with going uh, barefoot on tan bark on rocks on uh, like like I said we walk through the river nearly every day um and that's on yeah uneven ground and and he rarely ever falls over and I think it's because he sort of has that awareness and and sensation that you'd be lacking if you if you have shoes on so yeah it's funny hey like my both my kids are predominantly barefoot as well it's only like even the oldest one for preschool yeah we had to kind of chat with them and let him go barefoot there was an OH&S issue but we got around it and he went to preschool barefoot yeah by the end of the year there was about half a dozen other kids that were also barefoot because they started seeing how well he moved Yep. And he's six now, my eldest, and he wears, like, barefoot shoes to school. You have to wear shoes to school, unfortunately. But it's funny how I see him versus other kids who wear normal shoes. Yeah. And the movement patterns are so different. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they're only six. But, like, his hip extension when he's walking, jumping, like, the glutes on him, everything's (laughs) just so much more... Um, developed I guess yeah. um, and he uses like his whole body more efficiently it's just yeah you know the first few years I was still a bit even though I believed in it and I kind of knew from research and just you know stuff I'd done on my own body that being barefoot was the way to go I still questioned it and there was a lot of you know other people probably putting doubt in my mind from yeah. other podiatrists to 
you know, other parents, whatever. But seeing him now, like, I've got no doubt it's the right way to go. Yeah. Like, even just his, his threshold to pain, you know, like, yeah. like you were saying, like, with your son going over all different surfaces. Yeah. My kids are the same, hey, if they get hurt, yeah. you know they're hurt. Yeah. Like their, their threshold <laughs> yeah. to pain is just because they just seem to be constantly adapting to, you know, I guess a, a small level of pain under the feet from different surfaces. Like, but they react so quick as well. Yeah, yeah. Instead of a step on something that's not quite right and they just move really fast to be like a quick ouch, but then they're often, you know, yeah. off they go again. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, on that, my six-year-old, yep. we've been watching Ninja Warrior. <laughs> and when I told him, you know, I was chatting with you today, he was super excited. He couldn't believe I was chatting with you. You know, during the show normally, he's constantly asking me questions, you know, how do you do that? Like, if I keep being barefoot, will I be as strong as him? And can I do that? You know, but when I asked him today, what do you want me to ask the Barefoot Ninja for you? <laughs> he wants me to ask you what your favorite animal is. <laughs> uh, very good. So well, what's your favorite animal? <laughs> my favorite animal um, has changed recently and okay. it's a, a gibbon. And a main gibbon? Reason, main reason is because of how well they swing through the trees. <laughs> and, a gib- um, what's a gibbon? I don't have to... I don't yeah. know what a gibbon is. Yeah, just a well, a primate. Um, yeah. But, yeah, just a very agile one with swinging around. And I actually watch videos of them to try and uh, improve my swinging techniques. So, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, they're, they're pretty impressive with the things they can do. Uh, always used to be – my favourite animal used to be a cheetah because when I played footy and stuff, I always wanted to be really fast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, since taking on Ninja, it's changed to a given because um, now I want to be able to swing around and, um, and and be agile through the trees like they are. So and I'm yeah, assuming given. they're barefoot. They don't wear shoes, do they? They don't the wear shoes. <laughs> they, even, they even use their feet to swing around. So uh, that do would they? be something I'd like to be able to uh, to do. But maybe next quite. season. Are you going next season? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try out. Um, we haven't heard anything about the next season yet. They normally start advertising at the end of. Each one, but with COVID going on, obviously we're not 100 percent sure whether their time frames might change or, or what, or yeah. whether Victorians will be invited this time. <laughs> you might have to do your own little one on your yeah, own. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, if if they're running it and if Victorians are allowed to compete, then uh, I'll, I'll definitely be trying out. Um, yeah, it's become a huge part of my life now. So no, well, we look forward to hopefully seeing you on there again because yeah, you're great to watch. Ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> You're definitely a ninja legend. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> spruiking the barefoot message is great. Yeah, that's it. So if um, people want to check you out, um, where can they find you? Like social media? Yeah. Um, so Instagram is probably my only uh, public one that I that I use, uh, and that's uh, barefoot.dan. At, um, oh, well, yeah, for, for Instagram, that's the handle. Uh-huh. Um, so that's, yeah, probably the most public, uh, forum that I'm in, um, for Victorians, I work at, um, a place in Eltham, Gateway Osteopathy and Pilates, and that's where sort of I do my most, uh, most osteopathic, osteopathic work out of, um, yeah, fair Gateway, Gateway Osteopathy and Pilates. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Is there a website most- for that if you want to. I'll put the, the links in the bottom of the show notes anyway, but is there yeah. like a website or something for people to check out? Yeah, uh, gatewayosteo.com.au is the um, website for 
um, yeah, for my osteopathic clinic. Um, and, uh, yeah, otherwise, yeah, Instagram is probably the best place to see me do what I do. <laughs> Put a few videos up there. I'm not the most religious uh poster um, but I put a few things up here and there uh, and, and nearly all of them I'll be barefoot in uh, in fact can't really think of one that I had shoes on for <laughs> maybe uh, the ninja ones yeah actually yeah true yeah my last three would have been with shoes <laughs> <You're dead>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, they're all, all ninja related, all from the show but um yeah no I'd encourage you to follow um follow Daniel if you live in Victoria and are looking for like treatment and to help getting on this path of um, you know being barefoot, or even if it's not barefoot, even if it's just like moving better, um, yep. you know, learning more about your body. You know, I'm sure as a, a health, I find most health practitioners that are into this functional movement, you know, yep. are really good at educating, you know, you guys or you know our clients on moving well as well. So you know, if you have some issues going on, like dysfunctions, you're trying to get on top of. And you want to see someone in person? Do you do Skype stuff? Uh, I don't yet. Um, no. This COVID stuff has been making me think that I should do more of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I haven't I haven't set myself up for that yet. But we'll keep an some... eye out for that if it's something that may happen. But yeah, if you want someone in person, you know, I encourage you to go and see Dan. Like, I love finding these practitioners, you know, like Dan, that are on the same message, you know, because. He'll be able to not only treat you, but yeah, help educate you on how to move better, things you can be doing to to try and improve that lifestyle. And like I said, if you end up barefoot, great, <laughs> more power to you. But you know, even if it's just finding out, yeah, how to improve your your being, um, then I'd highly encourage you know finding practitioners. And there's one right here we're chatting to. So yeah, if you're in Victoria, check it out. I'll put those links in the bottom of the um, the show notes and. Um, Dan's Instagram handle. So, you know, check that out. Is there anything else you want to add before we before we kind of wrap up? Uh, no, nothing in particular. I think that was fairly well covered. Um, yeah, I think I suppose my biggest message is that just the best thing you can do is move your use your body in as many different ways as possible and uh, that's sort of where you, you become, yeah, the most functional person you can be. So, um, yeah. Awesome. Appreciate it, mate. I really appreciate your time. I know you, you guys are yeah, locked down again <laughs> yep. down there in Victoria, but I do appreciate you taking this time out to, to have a chat to us. And like I said, I really hope uh, we see you again next year. Thank you. And hopefully going all the way and, and taking out that gold. Yeah, gold fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.